moment. You know, sometimes you turn on your TV, right, and you see this message. Viewer discretion is advised, right? What's that mean to you? Uh, Put your guard up. A lot of times it's because maybe language is inappropriate, or maybe it's because it's gory and it's bloody. That's this sermon. It is bloody. Because we are continuing our series as we are thinking about the beginning of holiness. As we just heard in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, we as Christians are called to be spiritual, holy priests. And to offer up spiritual sacrifices, right? Well, if we have to be that, we have to go back and we have to understand what the first priests did. Otherwise, we have no idea what in the world that means. That's just like me trying to figure out what in the world it means to be, you name it, I don't have a clue about it. And the truth is, most of us, if not all of us, we don't really understand the Old Testament priesthood. So we had to spend time going back and thinking about that. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these priests, and here's what I want us to see out of these priests. We're going to see their job, and we're not going to go into great detail about their job, but we're going to see that they had a special job, that they had a duty, but it was a privilege to serve their position. Secondly, we are going to see that they had a holy job, and that they were made, and they had to be made holy. And so we're going to see the day in which they were sanctified, the day in which they were made holy, And we're going to learn a couple of lessons from that. And then thirdly, we're going to see the first day they took the job. And we're going to see that that was a bloody job that that they had day in and day out. Last bit of a little intro information before we get going. I'm going to throw a ton of information up on there. So if you're taking notes, the odds are good you're not going to be able to write it down. But if you email me, I will send you a copy of the PowerPoint, and you can do that, but... Unless you've got crazy fast skills, you're probably not going to write it all down. So any court stenographers, you probably got it. But nevertheless, if you're there in Exodus chapter 24, we want to see really about a privilege first. In Exodus chapter 24, the children of Israel are there at Mount Sinai, and they have seen the Lord speaking. They have heard it in the thunder and the lightning, and they were terrified, and they said, Moses, you go. And the Lord said to Moses at the beginning of the chapter in Exodus chapter 24 and verse 1, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, and Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and you shall come and worship at a distance. And so what you have at the base of the mountain is all of the people of Israel. But now you have seventy elders and Moses, Aaron, who will become the high priest, Nadab and Abihu, who will become priests, and these 70 others, they're told to come out from the people and come up the mountain a little ways. To do what? Worship me at a distance. Once they come up to the mountain, you'll notice to verse 2, Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord. So you have a group that pulls out from everybody, and then from that group of about 70 people, Moses is the only one that is allowed to go near to the Lord. Moses is given instructions at that point. When Moses is up there on the, uh, getting the instructions, finally, 
There is something that happens for these men, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. And I want you to go down to verse 10, verse 9, and see what they got to do. So Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel. And they saw God, and they ate, and they drank. What we want to see first off is that they got to actually see the Lord. That didn't happen. The reason it's thrown in and they didn't get killed was because if you saw the Lord, you would die. But God cut them mercy. God gave them the opportunity to see Him and have fellowship with Him to eat and drink. They saw the Lord. And so what their job was, was their job was to minister to the Lord. We would say to serve. They were to go, they were to put the sacrifices on the altar, they were to put the incense in the tabernacle, they were to go and they were to serve to God. And you would notice, flipping over to Exodus, the 28th chapter, that again, these men are called by name. God called them by name, and you would see to to Moses, he said, bring Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him, for among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Not everyone got that job. Their job was to minister. And the interesting thing, if you flip over to Leviticus, the 10th chapter, now, what we're going to see, and we'll use this verse here in just a little bit, in verse 3, when a couple of the priests are struck down dead, Nadab and Abihu, for the record, notice what the Lord teaches the people about what the priests were doing in verse 3. Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke. By those who come near me. As priests, as they were ministering to the Lord, what they were doing is they were getting near the Lord. God was allowing them to get close to Him. The rest of the people were not getting close to the Lord. They had that opportunity. And so these sacrifices, they offered them morning and evening, seven days a week. That was their job. Every single day, they offered these sacrifices. But that wasn't the only job they had. They also had the opportunity, and I should say the opportunity, to keep the tabernacle. They had to upkeep the various items. So the table, then the altar, and the incense, and the bread, and all of that stuff, they were responsible for. Day in and day out, it was their duty to take care of that. And finally, as you would see if you're still there in Leviticus chapter 10, you would notice that down in verse 8. After Nadab and Abihu are killed, the Lord said to Aaron, Don't drink wine or strong drink, neither you nor your sons, when you come into the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. It is a perpetual statute throughout your generation, so when you serve me, you're sober. Now notice the next thing he says in verse 10. So as to make a distinction between the holy and the profane, and between the unclean and the clean, 
so as to teach the sons of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them through Moses. Their job was to show the people, to teach the people what was clean and what was unclean. That was their job day in and day out. Now, they had other responsibilities as well, but that's not the focus of this lesson. But they had a special job. They served the Lord, they got near the Lord, and they taught the people what they should do. That's a special job. But now for them to be able to serve in that job, I want you to go to Leviticus chapter 8. The remainder of our time will be in Leviticus 8, 9, and 10, so you don't have to go flying around. We want to see the day in which they were sanctified, the day in which they were made holy because they had a holy job to minister to the Lord. And so you begin in verse in chapter 8 and verse 1 that again the Lord calls them to do this. He says to Moses, you get Aaron and the sons, and he brings them all up in. And so they're called by the Lord. Now the next thing that I want you to note is that the priests, they had special garments. And we learn of Aaron's garments first, right? Because Aaron is the high priest. He was the one who would offer the sacrifices. He was the one who got to go into that very special, most holy place one time a year. So he had special garments. They were very fancy. Uh, And we'll show a a picture here in a second. But the regular priests, the sons of Aaron, they also had special garments that were given them as well. And so Aaron and his sons, before they ever get their garments, notice in verse 6 that the first thing that was done is that they were washed. So Moses had Aaron and his sons come near and he washed them with water. You say, well, what's the point of that? You come to God, you've got to be clean. You've got to be pure when you come near God. And this was setting a precedent. You have to be cleaned if you are going to be in the presence of God. And so after being cleaned, he then gives Aaron his garments. He covers Aaron in those clothes. He anoints Aaron. He anoints the tabernacle. He anoints the altar with the oil that we normally think of. The anointing oil. He pours on his head and on those items. We'll go down now to verse 13. So we had Moses and Aaron's sons come near, and they clothed them with tunics and girded them with sashes and bound caps on them just as the Lord had commanded them. So it's now for them to get their clothes. Now here's the interesting thing about their clothes. We learned in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 40 that their clothes were for glory and for beauty. They were supposed to stand out. It was supposed to be something that when the people saw their garments, they knew they were different. They knew they were holy men. And so they gave them these garments with which they were commanded. So you would see a little picture like this. The guy on your right is your high priest because he's the best of the best. He's got the breastplate on with the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He would have the Urim and the Thummim, which was there for a judgment matter. It was the Lord's way of speaking to him and to make judgments. He had on the top of his hat there this gold plate that read something very special. And what it read on his gold plate that only he had was, Holy to the Lord. This was special. 
It was holy. And then you have on the left your ordinary priest. And just those plain old white garments, but yet with that beautiful sash tied around holding it all together. It's interesting that it's these white garments. Because what were they dealing with day in, day out? They dealt with the blood. And that's where we get to the sacrifices on this day. On this day in which they were made holy, Moses offered three sacrifices. He offered a bull for the sin offering. And here I need to describe these to you because we don't know them. The sin offering is exactly what you think it would be for, to get rid of your sins. And part of the sacrifice was placed on the altar, but the skin and the other parts, some other parts, they were taken outside of the city and they were burned outside of the camp. That was always done before you approached God. The sin offering had to be offered. For us, that's Jesus. He is that lamb, as we just learned, who by his wounds we are healed. Secondly, he offers this ram for a burnt offering. A burnt offering was the entire animal was laid on the altar and given to God. There was nothing that was eaten of it. There was nothing that was taken outside. And the idea is it represented everything goes to God. And so they offered this burnt offering. And then they offered this ordination, or literally this filling offering. And this filling offering was the idea of, it's where you got your food from. They were allowed to eat some of this meal, and sometimes they had to eat it in the sanctuary. Sometimes they could take it out to their family and eat. But it was given for the priest to eat because it was everything is okay in this. Now here's what I want you to know. He offers these three sacrifices, and Leviticus 8 tells us about it. Here's what we see in every single one of these sacrifices. And you can notice this in verse 14 to begin with. Notice what the responsibility of Aaron and his sons are on this day. That when Moses brought the bull of the sin offering, Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull. They had to put their hands on this thing. And they had to put their hands on the ram. And they had to put their hands on the ram for the ordination. It was in one sense they were being very personal with this. That this was for them. And this animal was being killed in their place and for their food and all those things. It was personal. But something else happened when they slaughtered the animal. You would notice that Moses did the slaughtering. So look at verse 15. This happened in all the cases as well, except something is a little different every time. So in verse 15, Moses slaughtered it, and he took the blood... And every time they do something with the blood, and this time he takes the blood and he puts his finger in the blood and he rubs it on the altar to sanctify the altar, to make atonement for the altar. And then he takes the remainder of the blood and he throws it on the side or he places it around the sides of the altar. Anybody like sticking their hands in blood? I think it's disgusting. You ever smelt that much blood? It is also disgusting. Moses put his hands in that blood 
and rubbed it around. In the second sacrifice, they took the blood and he just sprinkled it on the altar. A little less blood was used this go-around. He poured out the rest around the base. But notice now, flip down to verse 23. As he gets to the priest, verse 23, he takes the blood of this filling offering. And Moses and Aaron, they went... Oh, I'm in chapter 9. That ain't going to read right. So 23 of chapter 8. So Moses slaughtered it. And they took some of the blood. And they put it on Aaron's right ear. And Aaron's right thumb. And Aaron's big toe. And verse 24 says they did the same to his sons. So not only was blood being put on the altar blood was being put on these extremities of these priests. Okay? So we don't like to stick our finger in blood. Anybody like blood being put on you? But why go through it? Because the blood was what was sanctifying them, purifying them, setting them apart. Because guess who wasn't getting that? The rest of the people They were not getting that. So this blood was all over them. And so at this point, Aaron and his sons, they are anointed. And notice what they are anointed with. Aaron had already been anointed with the oil. But notice what his anointing is with in verse 30. So Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar. So now we got cooked blood or blood of all of this. And he's taking it and he noticed what he does. He puts it on Aaron and on his garments and on his sons and on their garments. So what you have is you have blood and oil on them and their clothes. Disgusting, right? On those pretty white garments, you've now got them stained with blood. Think that represents anything? That's what happens to our pretty white garments. We get them stained up all the time with sin. And it ain't pretty. But they had this. It was placed on them. They were anointed. And he said, yeah, we're done. And then Moses informs them, no, you're not done. You have to stay in the tent for seven days. And you get the filling offering, and you're going to offer these things every single day. But you got to stay in this tabernacle for seven days. And here's the reason why. Look down at verse 33. You shall not go outside the doorway of the tent of the meeting for seven days until the day that the period of your ordination is fulfilled. For He will ordain you through seven days. It was going to take a period of time and we would see that finally after seven days they would be atoned. And what happened if they left? What happened if they didn't stay? Verse 35. So at the doorway of the tent of meeting, moreover, you shall remain day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you will not die. You leave, you die. Because when you come close to me and you aren't holy, you die. They had a very holy job which required them to get dirty in order to be made holy, sanctified. So, 
At the end of those seven days, we get chapter 9, and that gets us to their first day on the job. That gets into the day where Moses is no longer offering the sacrifice, but Aaron and his sons are. And notice again in chapter 9, as we close out here and we're thinking about their job, they had a bloody job. In verse 1, again, they are called to do this. They're told in verse 7, okay, now offer the sacrifice. This was not presumptuous in any way. They had to be told. Here's what they were told to do. Aaron was told in verse 2 that he was going to have to offer sacrifices for himself. He was going to have to offer a sin offering for himself because guess what? He had sin. And he was going to offer a burnt offering for himself. We would see that the people, they were to bring sacrifices. They were to bring a sin offering, burnt offering, Peace offerings, two of them, they were to bring these other offerings of grain, which was part of the grain, and a, uh, uh, there's one more that I'm drawing a blank on. But anyway, they had to bring their own sacrifices. And it was Aaron's job to offer those sacrifices. So let's look at those. As you consider and you think about, oh, we got something very important. Here's what was going to happen when it was all said. Look down at verse 4. When you finish all of this, the idea is that the Lord will appear today. And the promise is made again in verse 6, that the thing you'll do, the Lord commanded to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear. Remember back when we started with these priests, what they got to see on the mountain? They got to see the Lord. Well, they don't get to see the Lord today, but they will get to see that the Lord is there among them, the Lord is there in their midst. He will appear on this day. That's the promise, first day on the job. So, in chapter, in chapter 9, you have them offering all these sacrifices. But in verse 15 to 17, it just summarizes the peoples. There's nothing that is really emphasized. So I'm going to take that off the screen. And we're going to emphasize again this sin offering that was for Aaron because of his sin. And notice, the same thing happens in all of these. Consider verse 8. That Moses, or that Aaron, he came near to the altar, so he took that calf, and he slaughtered it for the sin offering. And that's what happens. But notice verse 9. Here's where his sons, the average Joe priest, comes in. Aaron's sons presented the blood to him. He killed it. They gathered the blood to him. And they presented the blood and every single time for all of these. So it's like if you change the oil of your car and you're under there and you've got to get that catch pan to get the oil so it doesn't get all over the place. I imagine they're catching the blood in some kind of container. And they get this blood. And so notice, very similar to what Moses did, go back to verse 8 or verse 9 and notice what Aaron did with the blood. So he dipped his finger in the blood, just like Moses did. And he put it on the horns of the altar, and he poured out the rest around the altar. Very similar, right? Got to stick his hand in there and sanctify that altar every single time. Gross. Same thing. He takes the blood from the people's, uh, from the burnt offering, and he sprinkles it on the altar. And the same thing with the peace offering. He sprinkles it on the altar. And that's where we get to our viewer discretion is advised portion of the sermon. 
They dealt with blood every single day. And I thought, man, we're from Jersey. We don't get to see blood out of animals very often, do we? He blessed the people when he finished it. He raised his hands in the air saying, we're done. And what happens very often is that they had to go through this day in and day out. And I'm pretty thankful that we have the Internet and a particular site called Instructables, that they instruct you on how to do various things. And one of the Instructables is how to butcher a lamb. And here's what happens so frequently is that you and I, we're spoiled. We're spoiled because we offer spiritual sacrifices. These priests, they didn't get that luxury. They had to go through all of this disgusting blood every day. So you get this critter, and that's how he labels it. Remember they had to place their hands on its head? It's there. They saw it. They put their hands all over it. And then it was time to drain the blood. And so you've got to get the blood out of the animal. So they poke them. And you get to see all the grossness that goes along. And you go down and oh, you're cutting them open. And now you've got the insides. that You're going to have to put some of it on the altar. And some of it you're going to have to throw away. And then you get to actually see the inside. And you've got to put your hands all over that meat with all of the blood and place it on the altar or take it outside. And it is disgusting. And they did that every single day. I'm telling you, when we are called to be spiritual priests, we don't appreciate what they had to do day in and day out. We don't appreciate what Jesus had to do that one time. Because we don't have to see the blood. We don't have to get it all over us. It's all spiritually done. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we thought about how serious that was, And we got to see what they saw. They went through it because remember what the promise was? The glory of the Lord will appear to you. And so what happened when Moses and Aaron, they go into the tent apparently to talk with God after Moses or Aaron blesses the people. They come out. He blesses the people. And the altar is burnt with fire. The things that are on the altar, they're approved. God says, yes. This is what I wanted. And the people's reaction there at the end of the chapter in verse 24, they shouted and they fell. When we see a big old lightning bolt come down, we're like, whoa! Imagine you see fire come down from heaven. You would be like, whoa, let me get down. What do we teach the kids in school? Stop, drop, and roll. It's unbelievable. God said, I approve this message. But chapter 10, there's a change in the story. If you read chapter 8 and chapter 9 very carefully, 
Moses did as the Lord commanded. Moses did as the Lord commanded. Moses did as the Lord commanded. Aaron did as commanded by the Lord. Aaron did as commanded by Moses. Aaron did as commanded. And the chain chapters in chapter 10, when Nadab and Abihu, the two that are specifically named as getting to see the Lord Himself, they took it upon themselves to offer something that was not commanded of the Lord. And they were consumed with the fire. It was as if the animals that were on the sacrifice, that were on the altar, God said, my wrath is taking out on that. And God says, my wrath is being taken out on Nadab and Abihu. Because as we read in verse 3 of chapter 10, those who come near me will treat me as holy. And I will be glorified in the sight of all of the people. When we don't do what God commands us, it's going to cost us. There will be blood. Because somebody has to pay for it. And I tell you what, if we don't come to God and treat Him as He is holy, And we don't regard Him in such a glorified position, but we take it all on ourselves. Guess what? Same is going to happen to you and me as priests of God. Because we aren't being holy as He is holy. And so as we close, the truth is, as spiritual priests, we get it pretty sweet. We also have a special job. We get to get close to God. We get to minister to God morning and evening, day and night, seven days a week. We get that. And we've got that holy job where not everyone gets to do it, not everyone gets to come close, but we have to be holy and we have to treat Him as such. And I want you to notice in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, and this is the last passage we'll, we'll discuss. But notice what has happened to you and I as Christians. Christians have been said in verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and by the sanctifying work or the sanctification, there's our word, being made holy of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ, and here it is, be sprinkled with His blood. That's us. We've had the blood put on us as priests. Now we have to act like it. But it's a bloody job. They killed animals every single day. But Romans 12 tells us who we kill every single day. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. There's got to be blood to shed every day, and it's me. It's my desires. It's my will. It's my want has to be killed for the sake of God, for the sake of Jesus. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, blood involved, and follow me. Brothers and sisters, we need to appreciate what we have as priests of God. We're subject to the invitation in any way this morning. We'd ask that you come now as we stand and as we sing. Thank